all doctors to the ER. Do these guys have any idea what they are talking about? Talking about? Talking about? Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. All right, welcome to another podcast of Squared Away, um, the almighty number two. And uh, how did uh, this week go for you, Paul? This week, no lie, has been a shit show. Um, so it, anybody that's been through like a big cut, um, calorie cut, knows oh. it. I am in a, I'm in a, I'm in a rut. I'm in a calorie deficit mentally. My head's not there hormonally. I'm trash. I'm just, I'm ready to be fucking done, but I'm 189 as of this morning. Um, one or one eight. Yeah. 189, 185 by the end of the month was the goal. Um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm digging my heels in and, and working through, but it's, it's been a rough one. Just crabby every day. Um, just an emotionally in a weird spot, not like super like pumped up. And that could be, I don't know, you know, we're in Wisconsin here. I don't know. Nobody else. You guys are all over the world, but the weather here has been kind of crap. It's just kind of gloomy and windy and rainy. And it's that kind of weird Brown before everything starts to get green. It's not white and pretty anymore. It's just kind of, bleh. so just kind of living through that. But other than that, I mean, it's, it's been a good week. How about you? Oh, it sounds like a black cloud week for you. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I mean, it's just, <laughs> that's just, that's where I'm at. I mean, it's, it's when you've been in a, you know, a 500 calorie deficit for what do you know, 60, 75 days you're just kind of, and, and I do, you know, I, I refeed once in a while, but, um, clearly not enough with where I'm at, but yeah. you know, 20, 20 pounds worth of a 25 pound goal. It's, it's fucking pretty fucking close, but other well. than that, yeah. No, I'd say probably uh, from last week when you talked about up in my fats. I think that's that's helped a lot. Um, I'm realizing I definitely I got out my calories. Yeah. And the toughest part about that is you know you gotta really cook. Yeah, you gotta prep. And there's just no quick way of being like, oh man, I could just drive by and pick this up because uh, man, the menus are shit. Yeah. The 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 one thing that I found that was a savior is uh, the grilled chicken sandwich from Culver's. I haven't had it in a while, but that's usually pretty good. So I get that with just mustard and lettuce, and then throw the bun away. Oh, okay. That's I was a, gonna say because yeah, yeah I can't. Yeah, yeah, no, not the yeah, no bun. Um, but that one's that one's decent. Uh, um, Burger King used to have a chicken whopper that was a grilled chicken whopper, and you could order it FOB, so fresh off the broiler. That was always super moist chicken. Just eat that by itself. But oh, I haven't yeah. had any of those lately because I, we now meal prep for me and my wife, and we meal prep for two other people. Um, oh, I that suppose yeah. Pay us for all the meals because you know I'm doing four or five pans of chicken. You know pots of vegetables, shit like that. So it's, it's easy enough. It's easy <laughs> enough to separate it out. Um, one guy does carbs, one guy doesn't do carbs. So one guy's all vegetables and the other guy is rice and vegetables. But the one guy that does rice is super picky. So it's literally chicken, rice, and peas. Oh, you guys are meal prep for another household. Yeah, we meal prep for two other people, two other grown oh, okay. Men. I kept thinking those are two kids. No, no, no. Two other grown men that wow. buy their meals from us because they don't want to have to do it. So we wow. do it all. You know, we do like 50 15, 20 meals at a time for everybody. So, uh, so physically, 
would say, I mean, making those adjustments and going through, you know, the second week of, you know, really just cutting the carbs out has uh, actually felt really, really good. Um, I got to say, even uh, I've cut the salt. Yeah. I'm not adding as much salt and seasoning and I don't get that uh, little water belly feeling or right after you eat, you feel like you're pregnant, you know? So it's uh, not that I know what it's like to be pregnant, but yeah. It's uh, it feels good, but I really got a. It's affecting my workouts because it's I don't have as much energy. Um, I've been pulling some two a days, yeah, just to cut it up so I can you know get more focus too and, and get more power. Um, but yeah, it's a struggle. People don't realize how much your body down regulates your output with cutting calories. Like if they've never been through a longer calorie cut, like your body legitimately does not like. Eat. You don't want to move. You don't want to do things. You're, you know, you talk yourself out of doing the the hard cardio at the end of your lift. And, and it's just, it's crazy because it's all, it's all um, psychological, but it's your intake and your hormones totally manipulating your own psychology. Yeah. It's, it's wild, but it's, it's a lot of work, but I just, I got to tell our listeners, I mean, it, if you want to feel good, that result feels really good when your stomach is, is flat and, you know, you're not, you don't feel like a sack of sweaty crap at the end of the day. So, yeah. And the only reason that I feel like trash is because I'm still in a deficit. I, if you go, if you're you go tired. lower, yeah, if you go yeah. low, if you go low carb, but you're still at your calorie abundance or your, your calorie balance is, you know, what they call it um dude i've never felt better never felt better yeah um cognitively my brain works good um and i'll be back there after you know after i hit that 185 it'll be a minute it'll be like a blip on the radar when i hit 185 and then i'll be back and i and i'll I'll probably be realistically, I'll probably be then in like a 250 to 300 calorie surplus. So I'll probably be swinging 750 calories the other way. Yeah. Um, but it'll still be lower carb. Like I'm still not putting, you know, a bunch of carbohydrates back in because, um, I just, I function better. I grew up fat. I grew up, you know, 25, 30% body fat. And, and, um, my digestive system just functions different when I eat too many carbohydrates. It's my insulin spikes. I have, it's what's called metabolic disorder. So like for somebody that didn't grow up overweight, um, your body uses a certain amount of insulin to process carbohydrates. And because I did grow up overweight, my body uses way too much insulin to process carbohydrates and insulin. If you don't know, is a hunger hormone. It's a fat store hormone it it's just it's not good um so i'll stay lower carb and put another i mean i'll put probably 50 to 75 more grams of protein so that times four you know you're taking 250 to 300 calories more of protein and then the rest of it'll all be fat and fats are good to eat i mean fats are fucking fats make you feel good like you know eggs and oils and nuts and avocados and like you feel good but I just got to get there. Got to hit that goal. And and it's, and part of it is just as my stubborn mule head, you know, I've set a goal and I'm going to fucking hit it. Even if the last 10 days of the month, I don't need a goddamn thing. Like I'm going to hit 185. So (laughs) I'm going to, I know we talked about it before, but, um, that family health chiropractic place where you can go and get quest labs done. So I'm going to schedule for the end of this, I'm going to schedule a blood draw for a full blood panel for there so that I can see where I'm at, at that point. Um, because then, I'll go back into, um, putting a pretty good amount of muscle back on, um, or adding more muscle. So I need to balance out and make sure that I'm not, you know, getting too far off the rails when that happens. So I just want to get a good, get a good baseline. 
Yeah. Did you ever go? Did you ever get in there and get a blood draw? Uh, I didn't go in there. I went to uh, another uh, place. I was doing uh, some other testing. Oh, okay. Eventually, I like to get a blood draw. Um, but yeah, when when you're talking about you know when you used to be heavy, yeah. And, you know, I got to ask, I mean, I've noticed myself. I mean, I grew up, I was stocky because, you know, once I got to the farm, yeah. I was never, you know, I'm, I'm Asian. So if I really didn't push the weight and eating like I do right now, I'd probably be probably a good, uh, you know, 50 pounds lighter than what yeah. I am right now. So, yeah, I don't know what that that's like, but I know that when I was eating, you know, running through Culver's, you know, a couple times a week, uh, not thinking about what I was eating or, you know, sugar levels were up, you know, there's little, once I got clean, I could really tell that there's even little things like, um, you know, your shoes stop stinking, you know. Interesting. Um, you know, I, I don't wear deodorant under my armpits. Uh, I sweat um, less, but I sweat cleaner. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't leave those yellow pits in, in the white shirts like you used to. So, you know, I've noticed, uh, yeah, what you, it's an input-output thing. I mean, yeah. what, what you put in, if you put in clean, I mean, it definitely affects a lot of things. You know, I don't have the, you know, if you get a lot of freaking donuts yeah. the next morning, you wake up and it's almost like you got this, like, corn syrup, you know, death breath going on. And yeah. I, I don't even have that anymore. So yeah. it's... Uh, it really has affected what what the output has been. No, so and this is this is going to be really gross for everybody that that hears this. And don't judge me now because I'm a totally different person than I was. But I never took good care of my teeth. I didn't like when I met my wife. I I brushed my teeth once a week. Like it's once so gross. Yes, I know. How the just, hell do you go to just, bed with trust me. I know. I know. <laughs> now it's every day, right? But um, and I had cavities because I didn't take care of my teeth and I ate like shit. Um, when I completely changed my diet, I went to the, I would go to the dentist still every year. And, uh, it was amazing. Like within a year I had lost a good amount of weight and I go in and I still hadn't changed my oral health. And, uh, the, the dental hygienist is like, Oh my gosh, your teeth look great. What are you doing? Your mouth is amazing. Your gums are so healthy. You barely have any plaque buildup. And I, and I told her, honestly, I'm like, honestly, I was like, I don't brush my teeth. Like i I just changed my diet and she, she didn't even like, she didn't believe me. It didn't, it didn't even register in her head. It didn't (laughs) even register in her head that that was a possibility that just changing what I eat, not changing my oral health at all actually changed what it looked like for her. And she noticed it. I never said a word. Well, yeah, I would agree a hundred percent on that. hundred percent because I've been to third world countries where people would be like, well, the way they bathe, they bathe in a natural river. And uh, um, when you look at their teeth, it's like, wow, man, they got some nice white teeth, great enamel on them, everything else. And it's all based on their diet. I mean, you know, sure, they're everything's fresh. You know, sure, they got to kill the chickens the same day or whatnot, but, you know, it may be a desert and it's sandy as hell. And you're like, man, this is a dirty place. But, man, they open their gompers up and it's like, wow. Well, and it's it's the lack of processed um, food and, and the way that I try to explain to people, because I do because I've lost so much weight and because everybody's known me, you know, people that have known me for so long. It, it just that's I don't ever really like brag about anything that I've done. But pe- when people see what you've done, they come to you. And the best way that I try to exp- explain it to people is like if you've ever burned cardboard. So when you light a piece of cardboard on fire, it burns super hot and super fast. That's basically processed wood. So that's the equivalent of processed carbohydrates. When you burn wood, 
it takes a lot to get it lit. The fire has to actually like get into the fibers to get the, you know, to get the, the energy out of it and it burns slow and it burns long. And that's the difference between an unprocessed carbohydrate. And if you're eating, you know, a, a banana or a potato or something like that, like, yeah, you're, there's a little bit of sugar that lingers in your mouth, but it's not a lot because that sugar is all inside the cells. Um, but if you eat a fucking donut, that sugar just sits on your teeth. And then if you have 50 to 80 to, you know, 90% more sugar sitting in your mouth, then that creates decay. And it, oh, yeah. it's, it's pretty simple, but it's not, it's simple to know, but not easy to fix. Yeah. Imagine what it does at stage one and gets in your body, what it does there. Yeah. And that's, and that's what happens. That's how you get metabolic disorder because instead of your body having to, you know, slowly process the carbohydrates out of the food, it spikes and your body has to produce a ton of insulin short term. And then over and over and over and over, your cells slowly become more insulin resistant. And then it takes more to do it. And it, that and that's that's how you fuck yourself. That's how you fuck your kids. One of the biggest things um, from all this research that I've done is in in vivo, in vivo, in vitro, um, basically when the baby is in the womb, um, moms can screw a kid's metabolism if they eat a ton of processed carbohydrates, like a mother can completely, because you share your blood with your baby. If you have super elevated blood sugar, then your baby cells, as they're developing, develop insulin resistance before they're ever even on the earth eating their own food. Like, that's fucked up. Yeah, and I think people focus on uh, drugs or smoking, but you know what? Eating is uh, has the same effect. Yeah, I mean, so. and you know, not to get too far into the weeds, but when you start to look at any sort of indigenous culture, when they're introduced to the modern diet, all of a sudden, all the diseases that are killing the modern society right now pop up. I mean, you take Inuits that, that live on whale blubber and they, that's fat. I mean, they're a majority of their diet, you know, 70, 80% of their diet is dietary fat. Yeah. They don't have heart disease. They don't have all, you know, diabetes. They don't have all that stuff. And then all of a sudden you introduce them to a modern American and we call it a modern American diet, but it's a modern world diet, you know, modern population diet. Um, all of a sudden all that shit starts to pop up. And within, you know, single generations, there's entire swaths of them dying from heart disease and, and it's crazy, but oh, people yeah. don't, you know, people don't look at it and fuck man. When you look at the brain scans from what sugar does, sugar spikes the same parts in your brain. When you look at an actual brain scan that like heroin does. Oh yeah. I mean, so I get it. Like I get the addiction and it's hard to burn, but so physically that's, that's where I'm at. That's, you know, and, and I, I know you, you feel good. Yeah. I mean, I feel good. It's tough. Yeah. But it feels good. You know, it's embracing the suck and the rewards are, it's like going to the gym, you know, a lot of times, I mean, lately I've been like, you know, I fucking don't want to go in. Yeah. But by the time I leave, I I tell you what, I've never once regretted, you know, going in the gym. So no. And, and to, to kind of, um, put that into the, uh, into the mental, I'm going back through and reading, uh, power of habit from Charles Duhigg. So if, if nobody's ever read that it's, you can, I think you can get like the spark notes version and, and, and pick it up. But what that goes through is the actual habit circle, the, the, uh, trigger, the action, the reward that creates the craving. And I mean, I didn't know a lot of the stuff that's in this book. Like, um, toothpaste was created by a marketing agency. 
toothpaste was never created by dentists. It wasn't created by, it wasn't because that you needed, um, toothpaste to brush your teeth. Brushing did apparently from the way that they talk about this is dentist brushing did the same thing. The toothpaste was created by a marketing agency and they, they used the habit loop to create a habit and create a billion dollar business around Pepsodent, I think was the first oh, one. Pepsodent? I think that was the oh, first yeah. one. It's still around. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. You know, you, you know, for you sensitive just, teeth. Oh, what there they you call go. It, so. Okay. Um, I'll just talk about teeth. I got to actually have to go to the dentist at 540 today. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I had to push my cleaning light. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, uh, that's a, that's an interesting thing when you start to look at the habit circle and the habit reward. I mean, they're, they, they took a, a, a chimp and they wired up his brain so that they could, um, they could watch all the brain scans and they had him in a chair and he could, when he saw a colored shape, he would push a lever and then he would get a little drip of blackberry juice. And he really liked blackberry juice. This specific chimp really liked blackberry juice. So at first he didn't really care. But then once he figured out that he got a reward, then there would be, then he'd be watching like he's super into it and he'd watch and colored shape, hit it, get his reward, colored shape, hit it, get his reward. After a while, his brain had actually created that craving to where the parts in his brain that light up from getting that reward would light up before the reward ever came. So that was actually created the craving the, the, the shape created the craving, whereas the shape initially created the action and then the action created the um, dropping of the juice. But over time, it created the craving. And that's where um, that's where, you know, the, the food problems that we have. And that same habit loop can be used for good habits or you can hack that habit loop to cut bad habits. Um so yeah, get into that. And, um, I am going to start linking books in the description. So anything we talk about books and, and stuff like that, I'll get in the actual podcast description. So you should be able to, depending on what podcast app you use, should be able to actually click right through to the, to the books and anything else that I can link to that we talk about. Um, how about you mentally? Where, where are you at this week? Mentally, uh, the only thing I'm reading on a daily basis, obviously my, my Bible app. So that's the U version app. I'll give them some props. Um, so they got little devotionals in there, little, uh, uh, programs that you can do like two, three days, you know, on a subject, but that's, that's what I'm basically hitting because the other things I'm reading right now is, you know, software manuals and and stuff that is uh, work related. So nothing exciting in the last, you know, six, seven days. Um, I didn't really hit the declutter other than just apply what I'm I'm learning around the house right now. So in my free time, I'm just kind of getting things back in order in my life. And I have such a, I have a problem with the decluttering with throwing shit away that I may someday need. Do you ever get that? No, no, you don't have that problem. Go, oh, God, I'm awful. Like I'll be like, <laughs> I might someday need this car part or this gun part or this tool. Like I haven't used it in eight years, but I might need it. And you don't think about it when the one thing you do need that you threw away, you think about it that one time. You don't think about the 300 other things that you never needed again. But the way that your brain works is you're like, oh, I knew I was going to need that one thing. <laughs> See, usually I think uh, like like work practice, I have to practice lean. So basically I tell people, well, if you haven't used it in two years, then it gets red tagged and shit canned. So at home, I mean, I give it a leeway of like, okay, three, four years if it sits in a basement. You know, I don't like piles. I don't yeah. like digging through them. And uh, 
yeah, that's 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 just for me. It's just I, I gotta declutter. I like minimal, you know, piles. And right now, I have way too many piles, and I've gotten through a lot of it in the last three days. So that's good. I, I've been. I'm forced to be good with the piles because like we talked about last time, my wife's a declutter <laughs> fanatic an organizing fanatic. Honestly, like she should be organizing for people for a living. She's, I mean, that's what that, that is her, her magic touch. Yeah. Um, so you kind of, you hit your spiritual with your, um, what was it called? What is the app called? It's a U version. Basically U-version. It's, the, okay. uh, it's, it's the Bible app. So, um, if, if you want to read the Bible you can pick whatever, translation you know king okay. james or whatever but it's uh um it's done by a life church it's a national church and they just put it together so okay. there's nothing that's leaned towards anything i have a spiritual question for you yeah so how do you forgive someone who completely fucked you over but has no remorse for doing it what does the bible say about that because i'm st- i still have problems probably twice a week with this so anybody who doesn't know martin knows but i was in a business venture it should have been um kind of my next step business wise it was it was a big deal it would have supported my family and i got fucked um trusted trusted somebody i never should have trusted um but i got fucked and there's no remorse on the other end which makes it really hard to like to, to move on um and I, that's, I sound like a whiny bitch, but man, I think that probably twice a week, something brings it up in my head and it's like, it's just like the stab wound just opens back up again. Yeah. It's uh, you know, Bible tells you, you know, you got to forgive. And I think the Pharisees asked Jesus, Oh, you know, how many times you forgive somebody that completely screws you over. Right. And he said, uh, they, they asked him, well, seven times. He's like, no, seven times, seven times. So 77, just keep on going. You know, it's, and it's something else I learned too, you know, with, uh, with my past, uh, if I hung on to it, um, it, it controls your thoughts. You're just letting those people unknowingly control your thoughts, control your emotions. And then that gets an emotional side too, is I think it's, it's like we talked about last week, you have to chalk it up as a learning lesson and you have to, you know, forgive, but it doesn't mean you have to, you know, take the guy out for coffee or anything. You just have to walk away, you know, um, I have relationships in my past when I was a child that basically I was in the line of fire and they were close. I mean, they were like family and I had to cut that off because it was just toxic. And part of, you know, being healthy and being squared away emotionally is you got to understand, have the right people in your life. And the people that aren't adding value, that are holding you back, cutting you down, or taking advantage of you, you, you just got to cut them off, unfortunately. But it's, you know, you have to get to a point where you forgive. Otherwise, you're just going to. And that's, and that's, you know, I don't think without knowing, without knowing that forgiving is how I emotionally move forward, I would never even care about forgiving. But that's like, but you're, you're right. Remembering that it, that there's a learning lesson there. Um, that does help. And just, I don't always remember that. So that's a, that's a good point. I need to, I need to reiterate that when I get into that kind of that knife wound opening up, I need to remember that, well, that that's a tough learned lesson, but as long as I learn the lesson and don't make the mistake moving forward, which one of my biggest problems, I don't know how do you, when you, when you draw people into your life, 
what are the kind of what are the values that you see that you're most attracted to in other people? Not necessarily um, like, you know, opposite sex, but just people, the people that are the friends that you choose, the type of people that you not necessarily on purpose bring into your life. But is there like a specific um, hierarchy of values that you notice in the people that are around you? Yeah, it's um, so I like this subject where, you know, in society right now, everybody's fighting over like for with for males. You know, I don't know what one side is can't even figure out what genders, you know, people are. But for males, there's always what the alpha and the beta male. Right. And nobody really ever talks about it. Have you ever heard of the, the sigma male? No, I haven't. So, you know, alpha males got kind of getting overblown now because now you have a lot of people trying to act like alpha males and they have this stereotypical thought that an alpha male is just boisterous, you know, loud, vocal, you know, barking out orders. Um, the Sigma male is falls more in line with the, the team guy mentality where it's, you know, it's quiet leadership. You know, if you're a good leader, you also are a good follower. You know, you can't be a good leader without being a good follower and as quiet as kind of lurching in the shadows, you know, taking in a lot of information, but, you know, not the one that comes out and just, you know, brings the hammer out and slams it over everybody, everybody's head, you know, this is what's right or whatnot. But, you know, someone that it's kind of like their urban savage, uh, you know, mentality is, you know what, you can be sophisticated, but, you know, there's a savage side, but it's very well thought and, you know, well processed in the mind, you know, the critical thinking like we talked about yesterday. So when I think about people that I like surround myself with, you know, a beta male is going to surround themselves with a, their echo chamber. Everybody that agrees with them, you know, oh, I'm in this club. That's what I hate is, you know, um, betas are also, and I don't want to pick on CrossFit because, you know, there's a lot of pluses to it on the physical side. Mm -hmm. But when you get into a group where it's like, oh, I need these people, and then you just totally exclude everyone else just because you just belong to something, um, then that that's a problem. I mean, it, I, I consider myself more of a Sigma male um, versus an alpha because I, I like to have people around me that challenge me. You know, I don't want everybody around me to agree with me yeah. because that just sucks. Yeah. You know, there's no challenges, no, oh, you know, I never thought of it that way. I never looked at it that way. Um, people that have rich experiences, you know, not you know, the, whatever you call it, the bucket list type of experiences, but people that have, you know, have done things that I haven't done that I can just say, Hey, you know, instead of me going through and tripping over, you know, you know, 10 tripwires, why don't I just give them, you know, give them a call and say, Hey, have you gone through this before? Or what, what did you do? What'd you do? You know, what are things you got to watch out for? And, you know, show me how to do them. Yeah. So yeah, people can be educated from people I can, that'll, you know, tear you down for fun. I mean, that's the one nice thing about, you know, with dudes is that we can tear each other up for fun, but we just know so we don't take it personally. Well, and, and the, realistically, there's a reason evolutionarily that we do that is to know who the people that re, will be able to be strong enough to have your back if you ever got into a situation. Because if you tear somebody down a little bit for fun and, it, and they get all butthurt, you know that they're not going to be the type of people that are going to... Um, have your back. Right. Yeah. Cause you know, the, uh, the military mentality is if, if people aren't giving you shit, something's wrong. Yeah. You know, and I always laugh about that because I'm like, well, how do women do that? Because I mean, what if, you know, 
a certain gal calls up another gal and is like, you know, hey, how, what's going on, you fat, you know, fat fuck? And yeah, and they, and they, they don't. They're just super supportive. Yeah. And I don't understand. I'm just like, oh, man, that's just that's just really weird. Which is also really hard when you have um, a female in your life that has a problem because her problem she doesn't want answers to her problem. She doesn't want suggestions to her problem. She wants to talk about it and she wants you to listen. But as guys, we listen to try to fix the problem. Yeah. And that doesn't, that's not what they're looking for. Yeah. Um, so I have to try to get better. You know, I try to be good at that. It's funny that you say that about the Sigma male. Cause I've never heard of that. Um, but that's exactly, that's exactly right. I had this conversation with somebody today because we have a bunch of management positions moving around and, um, on the top end of our sales, we outproduce our management pretty drastically to the point that nobody on our end will probably take any management positions unless you're really looking just to get management experience. Yeah. Um, but the type of people who should be in management are rarely the type of people who are like, yeah, I want to be in management, you know, cause it's, it's, it, it's not, if you're already the type of person that's like, I want to be a manager, I want to be a politician. Like you're already fucked mentally. Like oh, you yeah. have an issue. Yeah. It's a huge, huge red flag. I yeah. mean, the, the silent leaders, majority of your top, uh, performing CEOs are all introverts. Yeah. They're all quiet in the corner, very calculated, uh, very disciplined. Um, you know, a lot of the, the lines of Sigma male, I mean, I encourage, uh, just Google Sigma male. Yeah. You know, there's even some, you know, fun YouTube videos they kind of make of it, but it's definitely worth something to check out. CEO is a weird thing to, to, to think about and reflect to, because when we think of CEO as a society, we think of publicly traded company CEOs, because that's, that's what we think of. We don't think of the, you know, hundred times as many private company CEOs as there are. And when you are a private company CEO, you are in charge of building a better company. When you are a publicly traded company CEO, CEO, you are in charge of making your bottom line look good for shareholders, which is a yeah. weird, which is a weird thing because a lot of the best CEOs in the world would never cut it in a publicly traded company because it's 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 also the issue that we have with politicians is, you know, they're they're kicking the ball down the road, you know, and then the same thing with a publicly traded CEO and that's not all of them, you know, but. Right. Um, you're not looking to invest into fixing the problems in a company. You're looking to bolster your bottom line to make you look good to get the next CEO job. Yeah. Um, and that's why they're the they're top CEOs, you know, and then the Sigma mindset is, you know, you understand that you have to basically you need to please the shareholders. But you also have, you know, let's say 400 families or, you know, whether it's your private, you know, like right now I look at, okay, I got 40 families that I got to worry about, you know, they got to get their paychecks, they got to have their benefits, you know, but bottom line, the company has to make money too. So there's a fine line there. Um, if, if you go too far one side where it's all about, you know, making the shareholders happy, then you're just going to be a cutthroat CEO. Yeah. And you know what? You don't last too long in the business then. 
No. And that doesn't, and, and that doesn't get everyone pulling on one rope. And we all, I mean, and we know that, you know, that that's the goal in any business is, is everybody pulling on the same rope? Because when you have everybody working towards the same overarching goal, that goal is a lot easier to attain than, you know, these 10 people working for this goal, these 10 people working for this goal, these 10 people just fucking trying to show up and get their check, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, it's just getting all the horses lined up and pulling in the same direction. And human psychology is tough when yeah. it comes to that. I mean, that's a, that's, I don't, uh, I don't envy that position. You know, it's, it's the same, like, like I was talking to the guy this morning, I, there's not a chance I would take that management job. Um, for one, it'd be a giant pay cut, but for two, like you don't get to pick your people like, no man. Most of the time when you think you can, you don't. And the biggest challenges right now is, I mean, getting to one of the squares is, you know, emotional IQ in society now is the worst I've ever seen it. Yeah. I mean, the emotional maturity uh, levels of, you know, people in their 50s are almost the same as that of people in their, you know, teenage years and lower 20s. I mean, it's just, I don't know what it is. I mean, I can offer some, you know, some politically incorrect suggestions, but I really don't know why that is. Well, I, I think that there's probably, you know, like every, like every problem, there's a million things that are causing the problem. It's not one thing that we can just put our finger on and cut the head off the snake. Right. Um, but I mean, social media is doing a lot of negative things. Yeah. Social media is really doing a lot of negative things. And it's not. If it, Did you watch the Netflix documentary yet? The whatever the social media, the Netflix social oh, media documentary. And, no. OK. So horrible. if anybody if it. anybody hasn't if, if you haven't watched it, watch it, um, because it the people that write the code to build these social media platforms. They're not doing this on purpose. It's not like they're saying, let's, you know, screw up society. But what they are saying is this is a business. And the longer that we have these people looking at our screen, the more time we can sell to advertisers, the more profitable we can be. So they're placating to our mental crooks to get us to look at these things longer. And by doing that, there's a lot of negative things that are happening accidentally, basically. Um, and it's, it's the echo chamber, like you just talked about with the betas. It's that type of thing, because if there's two different things that are going to keep you engaged, and that's seeing a lot of shit that really agrees with you, and then seeing a few things that really piss you off. And the pissing you off isn't even necessarily going to engage you but it will get um, interaction, right? It's going to get a comment. It's going to get stuff like that. Um, But it's like, if you watch this documentary, he talks about um, if you are a new mom, like one of the number one things that pops up on Facebook is these anti-vaxxer groups. If you start to follow these anti-vaxxer groups, the next thing that starts to pop up is something else. I can't remember what it was. And then that leads next to like flat earth. And it's like, it's this, it's this, and it's, it's not, it's not on purpose. It's, there's nobody sitting out there saying, oh, this is new moms are going to anti-vaxxer and this, and then this, it's what it is, is it's, it's the algorithms putting in front of you the things that then get you so involved 
to keep your time up. And by keeping your time up, they have more ad time to sell. And right. if you're not paying for something, and that, that's the big thing he talks about, if you're not paying for something, you are the product. Yeah, no, I would have to agree. I mean, you're trading in, you know, morals for basically paid advertisement for, I mean, for, for, you know, it's the mouse, it's the mouse in the fucking maze that is like, it, you know, it's licking the, you know, the, the, the sugar drip. Yeah. That's what it is. And it's, it's this little, these little bits of, of brain chemicals, these little bit of brain spikes. Oh, somebody, somebody liked my photo. Somebody commented, Oh, and this made me mad. So I commented and 25 people liked my comment. Well, it was triggering the same chemicals that, you know, yeah. that sugar's yeah. tripping. And whether it's, uh, I don't know, sometimes I hear it's dopamine, but dopamine, epinephrine, neuroepinephrine. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all the triggers exact same, yep. same reaction and satisfaction. Yeah. Well, I mean, realistically that those hormones are what make us human. Like we're, you know, we're basically a chemical reactions with electrical, we're electrochemical, electro, electrochemical reactions that are changed by hormones. Yeah. No, I'd have to agree. Quick, quick one before we get into current events in my mental thing. Have you ever heard of the River of Doubt? I don't believe so. So, you, do you know much about Theodore Roosevelt? Yeah. I don't know a lot about Theodore Roosevelt, but I was suggested this book, River of Doubt. So, after Theodore Roosevelt's third run for presidency, so he, he ran, he won, he had two terms, and then he was out, and then he came back and ran as a... Not an a progressive party, and he was running for a third term as a progressive, and he screwed the Republicans out of their because he took half their votes and the Democrat got in. But anyway, so apparently Theodore Roosevelt had a a, a regular bouts of melancholy, and when he got oh, yeah, and when he got in these regular bouts of melancholy, he he went out in in went into these tough ass backwoods, like just some of the hardest times that he'd ever been. And he was born with a bad body, asthmatic, weak, and, but a strong mind. And his dad told him your strong mind is going to have to make your strong body. And but by the time he was a city slicker too, yeah, right? A city slicker, but it wasn't even like, he was like, he, he was like, he was the, the asthmatic glasses, nerdy kid that you think of like the weak kid. Yeah. And he made himself into basically a badass, a rough rider. Um, so after that, he like, he left and he went to, he went to the Amazon to explore the river of doubt which was this completely unexplored river. This is like early 1900s, 1904, 1910, somewhere in there. And a completely unexplored river, This the, from the backside of this river down to the end, had never been explored by anyone other than the tribes that live there. And it, it's a it's a horrific story. I mean, it, it, it was months of, I mean, they lost people, people died. He almost died. He, he got to one point where he carried a, a, a vial of morphine with him, a lethal dose of morphine with him in case he ever got to the point he did not want anyone else to die because they were trying to keep him alive. So when he made that decision, he was going to go out on his own terms. Yeah. And he, at one point in this journey, he made that decision, but his son was there and his son told him, if you kill yourself, I am going to get your body out of the jungle. And he knew that that would then kill his son. So he had to stay alive. Um, but he, he goes through all of this and uh, it, it made me think 
think, first of all, about how fucking amazing that is in 1900. But can you imagine it's 1900? Like we're, we don't have TV. We don't have radio. We don't have anything. And you're in the Amazon and you see like a 25 foot anaconda go by or a 15 foot, um, Cayman. Can you imagine like this in your mind where you would be like, where are we on another fucking planet? Like, what is this? Where are we? Birds that you've never seen before. Piranhas. You're you're from the United States. Fish don't eat people. Oh, down there they do. Yeah. You know, catfish. They have like 300 pound catfish that will attack men. Yeah. Fuck that. Not yeah. a chance. You know how they catch them down there, right? No. They shove their arm in the water and literally... Uh, oh, yeah. Like is that called, what's that called? That's called noodling. Yeah. They do that here, too. Hillbillies. Oh, that's Hillbillies right. Yeah, I've here. seen some. Yeah, there's yep. some old dude that can do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about those ones. I don't know about the 300-pound ones. Um, but, yeah, that that was... You know, uh, the book is amazing. The story is amazing. I didn't know enough about Theodore Roosevelt. That really opened my eyes to um, just... And that that gets me, man. People that people that are accomplishing greatness. People that are, that are not... You know, the speak softly, carry a big stick. That was that was Theodore Roosevelt. That was his big thing. And people that do that, people that act, they act their actions, not speak their actions. That's that's awesome. But then like little things like that, like the fucking the anaconda. That was that was the one. I mean, I'm like, that is not a snake. Like that is a totally different being from a totally different planet. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. I have a quote that's on my uh, mantle that basically is from him. It's the, the man in an arena. Yeah, just talks I love about, the man uh, in the arena quote. Yeah, it just talks about, I mean, you're you're never going to know, you know, victory unless you've tried and failed. Yeah. So, you know, you just got to get your ass in there yep. and just do it. Yep. Um, I think so many, that's the biggest complaint I have. So when I talk to people, it's like, there's so many people that spend so much energy creating comfort, trying to build this, you know, little comfortable safety nest that they want to, you know, just live in and retire in. And, and you know what? You don't experience anything, you know, when you don't challenge yourself. And the problem is you get stagnant. Your mind gets stagnant. uh, Your body gets stagnant, everything. And is is that the way we are built to live? I don't think so. And comfort shouldn't be the goal. Comfort should be a break, a a well-earned break. And I'm not saying that I have anything against comfort. Comfort is amazing, but comfort is a break. Comfort is a rest. It is a recharge. It's not a goal. It's not an end goal. I don't want to be comfortable. It's the... uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Who wrote that? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, anyways, I can picture that movie cover, but Gonzo journalism. Anyways, um, his quote is, "I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to die in a well-preserved body. I want to, you know, slide in, broad slide, all used up and thoroughly worn out, screaming, wow, what a ride! Like something like that. Oh, yeah. Like you know, that's that, that's that's what it is. Hunter S. Thompson. There you go. Um, but comfort is comfort's comfortable for a minute. Yeah. Until you're fucking bored and then you die. That's what happens. You work, oh, yeah. work till you retire and then when you're comfortable, you die. Yeah. And that's not the life. No. Current events, shooting, Asian massage, jerk off booths. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I don't have all the the facts on it. I just know that this guy uh, went to three different uh, massage parlors and shot up eight people. Six of them were Asian women. Um, you know, there's a lot of speculation out there. 
Uh, have you heard anything? Yeah. More about so this it guy? sounds like it sounds like from what I read, he was a sex addict. He was being treated for a sex addiction, but he was also very he felt very guilty because he comes from a very religious family. So the fact that he couldn't control his urges and was and kept relapsing in, back into his his sex addiction um, gave him a very bad feeling of guilt um and that was his way of not ever giving in again was to kill the people that were taunting him but not really taunting him but in his in his sick mind this is how he saw it apparently is what the speculation is and they talked to a few people who were in halfway houses with him that were you know were going um, so he was he yeah he technically had mental health yeah technically technically he was he was being treated he was in treatment multiple times and and had lived in some halfway houses kicked kicked out of his own house so i'm assuming it was medically treated and programmatically yeah, and I don't know about how far his treatment went or what he was even in the halfway house for. If it was just because he got kicked out of his house, because I think he was only he was twenty one. Is that right? Yes, he, he had twenty twenty one. Um, he he was kicked out of his house for his addiction, whatever else he did. Um, and and the the weird part is like they're trying to make it a race issue. Right. I think it's completely separate from what's going on, like in San Francisco, where the, you know, the elderly Asians, majority women are getting attacked because basically the blame on people are pissed off at COVID. Yeah. So they're assuming that, oh, well, I see an Asian here. Well, I'm pissed off. So I'm going to take it out. Yeah. And this has nothing. This has nothing to do with that. It's just there aren't there aren't you know, Indian jerk off booths everywhere. There aren't Russian jerk off booths everywhere. There aren't African American jerk off booths everywhere. There, there are Asian jerk off booths apparently all over Atlanta, which yeah, who the, knew? Asian who massage knew? parlors, man, uh, that, that just sucks because that's uh, where everybody expects the happy ending shower tables and all that. Well, clearly this, I mean, I would think that these have been places that he's been because that's these, what I'm guessing. Because yeah. he had relapsed multiple times from what, you know, the speculation is and the people that they talked to who lived with him. Um, so these had probably been places that he was and he killed. Yeah. 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 Six Asian women and two white men who that's not a happy ending. So that's uh yeah, that's an isolated, you know, mental health issue. Yeah. Yeah. So, 100%. Yeah. So. Did, he, did he kill him with an AR-15? God, I hope not. I didn't even I didn't check it. I mean, that's that whole gun control thing. I mean, yeah, they're they're trying to legislate multiple, you know, bills, and I think one H eight has passed HR8, through the House through the HR8. House to the Senate, and also fourteen. I have it written down actually fourteen forty six, which fourteen forty six changes the total option for days, the maximum amount of days for a background check to go through from three to twenty total, yeah. and then HR eight. What's HRA doing? HRA is regulating the private, private sales. sales. So the, the gun show loophole issue, which I I am not a I'm not a gun control advocate, but I do see where there is an issue with private party sales 
from independent, independent person to independent person. Um, because I know a lot of people that buy guns at gun shows and they said, you can't even buy anything for a realistic price anymore the way that you used to, because people that can't pass background checks are going and overpaying for everything. And that's a problem. Yeah. So I don't know, like, but I still think that I should be able to sell you a gun. We shouldn't have to go to top pack and them run paperwork for me to sell you a gun. Right. So there has like, is there an in-between fix here? I mean, what, what is the, what, what's the bottom line? I mean, what is the goal they're trying to achieve with the legislation? I mean, if, if you're telling me that, well, this creates a, you know, safer, a drop in crime, drop in homicides, then the numbers don't quite add up on that either. Well, then you're going to have to get rid of handguns because that's the, you know, the tool of choice. Well, if you want to get really fucking technical out of all gun deaths, that number that they quote all the time, a majority of it's suicide. Right. Yep. You're not going to stop that. You're not. Correct. So all we got to take that number completely out. Yep. And then, yes, you're right. After that, it's handguns. And then after that, it's rifles. Well, so, even before that is knives. So, what are you so gonna that's do? what I was going to say. That's what, that's what I was going to say blocks? is that's what I was going to say is once you get to the point, that little tiny number that we're worried about with with rifles, knives are more. The amount of people that die from knives are more yeah. than the amount of people that die from from rifles. Now, I did see that in California and I wrote this down so that I could that I could quote it in California. um, so the Heller, which is a sets precedence that any commonly used firearm is protected by the Second Amendment. Now, because commonly used is a negotiable term, they tr- are trying to say that semi-automatic rifles are not commonly used. But the judge in California just stood down or no, didn't stand down yet, but they issued numbers from California and out of uh, just over a million new guns last year, 500,000 were semi-automatic pistols and another 300,000 were semi-automatic rifles. So that would be that would be considered without beyond a reasonable doubt common. So that right there is a, is a small win for gun control. Uh, you know, lack of gun control or, or uh, what we want, you Whatever know, you want to call it, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a small win for the, for the rights, the gun, gun owners rights is that's a, that's a small step for, 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 for gun, for gun owners rights is yeah. it, it, that right there sets a little bit of a precedence. Now it's not, um, gone all the way through court yet, but if it does, that will set a precedence to semi-automatic pistols and semi-automatic rifles being, being considered, um, a common, Firearm, which then is protected by previous um, litigation under the Second Amendment. But this whole argument on gun control all centers around, you know, I I think everybody has to agree when you hear about gun control, it's all centered and targeted on crime. Yes. Totally crime. Well, but when you really look at the root cause of the whole deal, I mean, what is the root cause of crime, any crime? Financial? I think it goes beyond that, though. You think so? I mean, that is a, a variable. Yeah, that's true. But the root cause of crime is is, is evil. 
you know, for somebody to perpetuate a crime, whether it's with a, a gun, with a hammer, with a, you know, I could take this pen, you know, you could be John Wick and basically take out anybody with anything. Um, it, it comes down to the, the person. I mean, mental health is a massive issue. I mean, how come we don't see studies of, okay, there's X amount of homicides. How many of those uh, were medicated? And what's the prescription list for that? Uh, how many dealt with depression? Um, you know, how many are, are dealing with painkillers? How many you know, drinking issues? I mean, I don't see those numbers anywhere because uh, ultimately it has to come down to the person. Because you take away guns, I mean, you know, you know, I've been in, in the Middle East. I mean, if they don't have guns, what else are they using? Well, they're making yeah, homemade. They're making IEDs. And so that that was that was my big thing after the Colorado, um, after the big Colorado um, movie theater shooting was that was that was really scary. That was that was a really shitty situation. But if that guy would have created a homemade gasoline bomb, a lot more people would have died. Oh yeah. And that's not saying that that's okay. It's not saying that how he did it was okay, but it is realistically saying that evil will prevail. And um, I think that a lot of crime isn't, it's, it's evil, but it's, it's people doing it for personal reasons, whether it is, they need a fix, they need drugs, they need money. It's, uh, gang related. A lot of, a lot of the, the, the homicides are, are gang related. My gang versus your gang, your gang versus their gang. You, you know, you shot our guy, we shot 10 of your guys, you know, that that's a lot of, of gun crimes. So, I mean, I think realistically trying to, trying to make any big change with one overarching broad, you know, swipe of a, of a scalpel, is, is just ridiculous. I think that you need to break it down, honestly, into small subsections of, so if we want to worry, if we want to worry about homicide, right, we want to make every, everything safer. So then we need to cut it down and we need to cut it down to gun crimes. Okay. We cut it down to gun crimes, right. And we're going to put everything else aside that we're going to worry about in, in, in a, in a few minutes. So then as we get into gun crimes, then we need to take that scalpel and we need to start dissecting what the gun crimes and the gun homicides are. So then from there, okay, suicide. So that's a huge chunk. And then into there, you know, we pull out that, that suicide, that, that is going to be this group of people who, who are, you know, in charge of, of dealing with that, because we do, we, we don't want those people to hurt. We don't want those people to kill themselves. So that right. doesn't mean that we just ignore those people, right? but it means that it's, that it's a totally different, um, not law, but a totally different idea of how to help those people. Okay. Now we're getting just to gun homicides. Okay, so just out of gun gun homicides, how much of it is criminal on criminal related, right? Right. So then that's going to be another big chunk. And then out of that, in that criminal on criminal is a lot of the bystanders, the little kids that get hit when somebody's shooting up a house and stuff like that. And okay, so then then that's when we can start to do some some fine scalpeling and some fine fixing. And 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 until you want to look at it like that as to what you can actually do to make real positive change, you're just blowing in the wind. It's just oh, bullshit. Yeah. You're just trying to appease the people that voted for you. Yeah, and that's all that. I think it's the the real crime is social media. You got media, basically. You know, we've become a nation that just focuses on the the exception. 
So, oh man, we got this one shooting. Well, now we need to just completely wipe out, you know, all gun ownership. You know, you can't, you can't do that. You can't solve, like you said, you know, just paint a huge brush stroke and everyone else for, you know, this minority here. And, you know, we can't just focus on that problem and try to resolve it, get to the root cause of that. Especially in a country that fought with their guns for their independence from a ruling government. Right. Like you, you we're not talking about, we're not talking about, um, well, I guess, you know, most, most countries have fought for their independence, but we're not, not talking about Britain. You know, we're not talking about Great Britain. Yes. There there's, you know, guns are basically non-existent in Great Britain. Um, but they also use guns to take over large swaths of the world, and we use guns to take our fucking country back. Right. But yeah, I think that's where you got to go to the you know the timeless constitution. Yeah. You know why was it written? Yeah. And and how amazingly intuitive and intelligent were the guys that wrote that document? Yeah. I. It, it, it's mind boggling to me, but they wrote it from experience. Yes. You know, they were, they were, they, they were studiers of history and saw how societies crumbled throughout time and tried to legitimately write a document that would save a country from itself, from, from eating itself from the inside out. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's amazing. It's, it's, it's astonishing. Yeah. But people don't, a lot of people don't look at that argument. You know, they're looking like, well, it's an outdated document. Um, and the only reason they're thinking that is because they, they want this end goal of what they think is a sawball, which is nothing. It's not even a Band-Aid. So it's just it's become one side versus the other. And then the, the media, the politicians are now playing both sides for their own, you know, self-serving yeah. outcome. And, uh, yeah, I think we have to get beyond the tool because if you're going to go after guns, well, then you're going to go after knives. Well, then what are you going to, you know, get next? Sharpen sticks? Yeah. Sharpen sticks. Gasoline. I mean, yeah. What's the limit? Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, now they're picking on cartoons and toys too. Like we talked about last week, Dr. Seuss. I mean, where, where does uh, personal responsibility come in? Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was in, uh, when I first got to Wisconsin, I remember taking my shotgun to school. And nobody questioned that. It was in a gun case, but I was going to a buddy's house to go hunting yeah. the next day. Nobody questioned it. Can you imagine? Yeah, imagine now. Oh. I mean, you'd have, you know, cherries going, boom, be yeah, locked it'd up. It'd be in the news. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would it, it would be I mean, you can't do anything in school anymore. Um, I think that pretty much covers what we wanted to get to for the day. Stimulus money. <laughs> What do you think? Quick. Stimulus money? I I, I think it's a shitty deal. I think we basically mortgaged our children's future. Yeah. To pay for a lot of shit that basically is just getting recycled back into the right now. I'm sorry. The DNC's in charge. It's going right back to that party. So they're just funding themselves for the, you know, mismanagement that happened back, you know, as early as 2012 when they're getting Obama reelected. Yeah. You know, I'm not being biased about it. It. That's how they're. I, I honestly, and and you know, a lot of it's going to, to to small government. Well, guess who runs small government? 
the people that actually, you know, there's not a lot. And this is, this is a, this is a Republican. This is a libertarian problem. We don't invest our enough time into small government seats, the small seats that actually do like the little things all week that make big changes. We don't spend enough time doing it. And that's a weakness. That's a weakness on libertarian party. It's a weakness on the Republican party. Um, Democrats, whether it's because of the mentality that they have, I don't think it's because it's on purpose, but I think it's because of the, the mindset that they have um, to they'll sit there, they'll do school board and they'll do, you know, small local government posts and they'll do this stuff. And man, we don't do enough time at that. And that's where a lot of this money is going is into those, you know, small local oh, yeah. spots. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the numbers that really pissed me off is you know you got San Francisco running up a you know whatever six billion dollar deficit and this helps them out. I mean, come on, yeah. I mean they're just using taxpayers to basically you know fund their idiocy. Yeah, you know people should be losing their jobs. I I am I'm concerned about what this does long-term for the mentality of human beings that get it. The, you know, not, and not everybody, I'm not talking, everybody's going to have an issue with getting this money, but I, I do think that it's going to cause some mental expectation, some mental strain, some, you know, voting for more free shit. You know? Yeah. But isn't that how they do it in the, uh, you know, isn't that, uh, God, I hate to use the word, but, you know, socialism? Are That's we- the idea of socialism. It never works that way. It only works that way until until there is no checks and balances left. And once the checks and balances are left, then the money just stays at the top. Yeah, and socialism basically is just communism with lipstick on. I yeah. mean, it just, these are the steps to get there. I mean, uh, yeah. And I, I need to do more research, but a lot of people point to like, you know, they point to Norway, they point to Sweden, they point to stuff like that for socialism that, that has worked. But anybody that anything that I've read is like, they're, they're not, they're more capitalist. They're more capitalist. Exactly. Than we are. Exactly. They're, they're only taking bits and pieces and trying to fit it into, well, look, that's socialism. When in, like you just said, it's, it's not if you do the research. Yeah. So and it's, it's bogus. There's never been one time where socialism's worked. Yeah. I think they should talk to the people, you know, have gotten out of Venezuela. Well, and that, that's the scary part. When capitalism goes wrong, when capitalism goes wrong, you have what we have right here. When we have America. Okay. Yeah. Capitalism has, you know, this is, this is capitalism. This is capitalism at its worst. It's not great, but it's also not awful. Socialism as it, at its worst kills millions of fucking people. Yeah. Everywhere that it's ever gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah, we can turn that dial back, but yeah, this uh, it's a lot of money that's going to be saddled to our kids. A lot of money, astonishing. People don't even understand. Like if you if 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 you never looked it up, Google million versus billion versus trillion, and it's a picture. And there's also there's also a way that you can do it for for seconds. I'll try to do the second one, and I can't remember exactly, but a million seconds is like 23 hours, okay? A billion seconds is 23 years, and a trillion seconds is 23,000 years. 
And it's that that number's not exactly, but to give you an idea of what a trillion dollars is, like a million dollars will fit in a duffel bag. A billion dollars is like four pallets of money. A trillion dollars is a football field of pallets stacked too tall. Oh yeah, yeah. That, yeah, like, our, our brains don't fucking they do not register what exponential numbers are. Yeah. But all right, true rap. Yeah, we can go on forever about that one. So um, I, I'm also going to try to put mine and Martin's emails in the description show description. So if you guys have anything you want to add questions, um, you know, stories about how we're helping, you just want to talk shit, whatever you, you have some contact to us. Um, I can't guarantee all this is going to work. This is all new to us too. I'm just, I'm going to try to start linking stuff and try to start putting stuff and show in the description. So if you have the right podcast app, it should come up. So that's a wrap. All right. Sounds good. Peace out, man.